Through the course of this year, we've been talking about a theme, the word together. That's the theme of this entire year as we're working to connect and grow and serve together. We've been talking about an underlying challenge. And the challenge is to discover unity together. We want to be unified, but we don't want to be unified as everyone has to be just like me and look just like me and do exactly what I do. We want to be unified in our diversity. And we find that in the book of Galatians. And let me give you a little bit of background. This book of Galatians was written to a real church in an area and region of modern-day Turkey called Galatia. And this area of modern-day Turkey had a number of churches that worked together. This letter was written to all of these churches. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. He was a man who, who had come into this region of Galatia through persecution and various things, taught the truth of the Word of God, and it was very quickly received. People came to know Christ as their Savior. They were saved. There was new churches established, and things were happening. Absolutely tremendous things were taking place. The Apostle Paul left them to go and start new churches in other areas. And these new churches were growing and developing and taking the truth of what they knew of the Word of God and living it out. But then along came some very religious people from Israel, that were saying, fantastic, we are glad that you now follow Jesus Christ, but let me teach you a better way. And this better way was not the godly and correct way. They were teaching that you follow Jesus as well as you add on the Jewish law. So you had to be a follower of Jesus and a follower of the law. And this was causing incredible division amongst the church. So the church said, we know what we were taught, but this doesn't line up. And it was causing a split and division that was disunity. And as a result of that, they were not living out their purpose to glorify and praise God. And the Apostle Paul heard of this and he wrote them a letter. And he wrote them a letter that was a very strong letter that was written with love. Because when you know that someone that you love is in danger... You write them in love, but you have to tell them the hard truth. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did in the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse number 6. Do you have your Bibles open? When he starts off the first several verses saying, yeah, this is Paul, the Apostle of Jesus Christ, and he talks about grace and mercy and love for them, and then he turns it around, and he goes, now let's get into the crux of the letter here. And he says, I am astonished. Now you imagine Receiving a letter was very expensive, and it wasn't common. So you receive this letter, you gather everyone together, you're excited to receive this letter from the Apostle Paul. You begin reading the scroll, and as you're reading, you're thinking, this is wonderful, he's going to give us some great news. And then he starts off with, I am astonished. And you go, uh-oh, you a big deep swallow, and you continue reading and thinking, what does God have for us to, to learn? He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There are so many various things that are vying for our attention in this world. We must remain focused. 
The first four chapters of the book of Galatians lays down the foundation. It's a a firm foundation that he lays down. And the following two chapters, chapters 5 and chapter 6, is the application. It's the now what. What am I supposed to do with this information? He was teaching that they were not to follow the law. They were to follow Jesus Christ. They had been set free from the law, and now they were to be followers of Christ. But now, how do we live this out in our practical life? And that's what he lays out here. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over a few chapters. Chapter number five will be there in a few moments' time. You see, we often have a temptation to return to the old way of living. And the Apostle Paul teaches here a wonderful truth that was revolutionary. And it's true for every single believer in Jesus Christ. We don't have to live this life by ourselves, in our own strength, and in our own ability, and in your own brains, and your own will. We can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Verse number 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. To keep in step with the Spirit. This last week, on Monday night, maybe you were like me and multitudes, millions of people around our world who tuned in to watch the funeral service of Queen Elizabeth. And if you watch the funeral service, the funeral itself was absolutely a magnificent funeral, sharing the gospel all the way through. I was, I was so impressed with how the gospel was shared. And as they left Westminster Abbey and they began to march across, across really the other side of the city to St. George's Chapel in order to, for the final interment, they marched and they marched and they marched. And something I was very impressed with, and I was a person a little bit nervous, as the pallbearers picked up the coffin and walked around with all those things on it. And I was like, oh, you do not want to be the guy that drops. You don't want to be the guy that stumbles. And no one did. It was absolutely magnificent. And I was nervous for them. And that literally thousands of soldiers are involved in the day, marching along. And they didn't march just a little while, because if you're anything like me, I can march for like a little ways. But if you're doing it mile after mile, every step was correct. And something I found absolutely remarkable and actually very honoring to the queen herself is that none of the commentators that I listened to spent a lot of time focusing upon how magnificent the marching soldiers were and how they were amazed that they were keeping in time. None of them were complaining. I have no doubt they were tired. I have no doubt being a boiling hot summer day in England, you know, 21 degrees, they were sweating. I have no doubt it was a hot day for them. But here's the key. They didn't focus upon how magnificent their walk was because they were there to honor the queen. So they didn't focus upon the person doing the marching. They were able to focus upon the person they were there to honor, who was Her Majesty the Queen, in a similar way with you and I. As we keep and walk in step with the Holy Spirit, the focus of our life changes from being upon us and going, wow, your walk is amazing. Wow, you're keeping in step. You're doing a good job. And it turns away from us and it turns back onto God, and that's exactly what we should be doing, giving the glory and the praise to God. 
Our church's doctrinal statement is written in our bulletin. It's also on the screen about the Holy Spirit and who He is in our lives. It says this, The Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son of God. That is the Trinity. He convicts people of their sin and need for Jesus Christ. He lives in every believer from the moment of salvation and gives them a spiritual gift. He provides the believer with a power for living, understanding of spiritual truth, and guidance in doing what is right. And Jesus teaches in John chapter number 14, verse number 26, and he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We are in a constant battle for the hearts and the minds of ourself and our family and our community. And we must recognize that we are in a battle. But we're not in a battle that we have to fight in our own strength and our own ability. We have the Holy Spirit that we get to work alongside and keep in step with. Our principle for today is this. And every Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life. It is this. A gospel Focus Church will live in step with the Holy Spirit. There are so many various things that are vying for our attention in this world. There's so many various things that will distract us from what we're called to do. How can you and I, in this world of distractions around us, live a life that is in step with the Holy Spirit? What we find is that we have to learn from the past. We have to learn from past mistakes and also past successes. The famous British Prime Minister Winston Churchill is quoted as saying this, Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. I don't want to go back to the old way of living. I don't want to go back to as this church in Galatia of living under the oppression of the law. I want to live free. And that's exactly what we find in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 1 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Notice those words, set us. He set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Why would you want to go back to the old way of living when you have been set us, as it says there, set us free? We have, I'm going to use some play on words today, okay? The set us, and if you go down to verses 25 and 26, you're going to see the words let us. And this is a silly illustration, but you're going to remember it. And the thought behind the silly illustration is, because Christ has set us free, then we also, the Spirit, lets us live life differently. Silly illustration, but you'll remember it. Verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Because we have been set free, we can live life differently. And here we have some let us. And we find a positive let us, as in let us walk in step with the Spirit. But there's also those three negatives we find in verse number 26. Three negatives that we find. Let me read that verse for you. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, 
envying one another. That's the result of when we fail to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. The natural thing that will happen is we'll become conceited. We'll be provoking other, other people and we'll envy each other. Those are horrible attributes that none of us want in our lives, in our church. You don't wake up one day and go, boy, today's going to be a great day. I can't wait to envy all day long today. Provoking. I can't wait for conflict today. I can't wait to be filled with pride and conceit. Something I found interesting as I study these words, if you go back to the original language into the Greek, the Apostle Paul uses three specific words for conceited and provoking and envying. And these three words are only used in the New Testament in this particular verse, which I found interesting because there's other words talking about provoking and being envious and being conceited in other passages of the Bible. But the Apostle Paul uses very specific language here. So what I surmise there is that he's not talking generally. He's saying, you have some serious issues that you need to take place here. And we can take that on board ourselves. As we look at those three words, one Bible commentator wrote this and said, Glory of man is indeed empty. It's vain. Don't seek after it. You'll be disappointed. It will create a lot of enemies. It will create a lot of envy and a lot of provocation. So with those three words we see, the first one is conceited. These are the negative results of when we fail to walk in step with the Spirit. We naturally become conceited. That word literally means to be proud, to be vain. It's the opposite of humility and modesty and meekness. It becomes from a result of really what takes place in the Jewish culture. Jewish people by culture were exclusive people. They were God's chosen people. And they separated themselves from all the other races and all the other people where they would not eat with them. They would not do business with others. And now we have people who were followers of Jesus Christ who were Gentiles. And they were being told you have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. And that was just causing division. And Jesus Christ comes along and breaks down all the racial barriers. He he breaks down all the social barriers and all the financial barriers and all the educational barriers. And he brings us together. So rather than being filled with prideful conceit, we are filled with wonderful inclusion and love. Galatians chapter number three, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful position to be in, as opposed to being conceited. The next negative we see is provoking. That word provoking literally means to call forth and to challenge, to, to combat. It's the opposite of being calming and soothing and subduing. When something bothers you, sometimes you can just ignore it for a little while. And it gets worse and worse over time. Something as simple as a little stone in your shoe, you can ignore it for a while. But after a while, it really begins to annoy you. And it becomes the focus of all your attention is that silly stone in your shoe. In a similar way with this provoking something that started off small that could have been taken care of quite easily and dismissed as bad doctrine or not the way to live, not biblically sound, can turn into something that festers and becomes the entire focus when it really should be something easily taken care of. 
Galatians chapter 1, verse 9 says, If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. That's very strong language in saying that if something is not biblically sound, don't follow it. Don't allow it to fester and grow and become an irritant and where it becomes the entire focus. Let's do away with it early. Then the next word is the word envying. The next result of when we fail to walk in step with the Spirit results in envying, which is jealousy and ill will, resentfulness. It's the absolute opposite of envying is goodwill and kindness and sympathy. So when Jesus Christ has come into our lives, He's taken our sinfulness, He's taken the old way of living, and the Bible uses a strong word saying we are crucified. It's been put to death, and now he's been given a new life. So rather than being jealous about what someone else has, or things that cause division within our church, we can take it and say, what do we have together that is absolutely unifying? It's Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. With these let us statements, these are the negative. When we fail to walk in step with the Spirit, we will naturally live lives of conceit will naturally live lives of provocation, will naturally live lives of envy and strife. It's much like a puppet. And if it was a puppet, you have someone pulling the strings of the puppet, and they can look so natural and real, but you realize it's just a puppet, it's just a doll being controlled by someone outside. I don't want to be a puppet controlled by outside urges, by things that are not in line with the things of God, but that's who we will naturally be. And if you allow yourself to be molded and and shaped by the things of, of the world rather than things of God, you will be much like a puppet being manipulated and shaped by your natural desires rather than the things that God has called us to live in. You can't keep in step with the Spirit while being controlled by your natural emotions. That's the negative. We got the negative out of the way. Let's turn it around now. And we're going to continue using that thought of let us throughout the Bible. And we're going to see some let us thoughts here. And as we think of that let us, it's only so you remember it. But it's also, we find some really wonderful application here. Because as we contrast the old way of living with the way we, are, we should live, we have a wonderful truth we find in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and, and it goes on with the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then finally, self-control. And none of those things in that list are things we go, oh, I really don't want more love and joy and peace. All of us want these things, but how do we find them? It's not by following the law. It's not by good works that we have tried to do. It's simply by keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look through three different filters 
in our life, through practical filters, and we filter through the things of God in our life, what is the result when we walk in step with the Spirit? Our principle, again, is a gospel-focused church will live in step with the Holy Spirit. Let me read Galatians 5, verse 25 again. It says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. First one is consume. This is the first filter. We're thinking through in our life, what is it that I consume? You think of in your life, what is it that you are consuming in your life that you're allowing to come into your heart, into your mind? If you were training as an athlete, you would be very conscious about what you put in your body. We should all be somewhat conscious. Well, you really should be conscious when we're eating. But we, we should be conscious about what we put in our body and aware of, of all the various things because it's fuel. In a similar way with our, our spiritual lives, what we're consuming in our spiritual lives changes the way that we think. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16, here's another let us. Okay, All the way through here, you're going to have let us. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In our world, we are filled with so many things that are vying for our attention. I'm not anti-TV, but there's a bunch of rubbish on TV that comes into our minds and we're consuming that as truth. As you read the simple things like the newspaper, there's things that are influencing us. There's things on our computer that are influencing us. And all these things are good, but there's certainly some horrible things that can take place when we allow that to be what we're consuming. As opposed to that, what we find in the book of Hebrews is, it says, let us come to God and consume His mercy. As we consume His grace. And what I'm personally discovering, and maybe you are too, is that as I consume the mercy of God in my life, and as I consume God's grace in my life, I begin to see the world differently. I begin to see people differently, not as the annoying. You begin to see them the way that God sees them, with the love and the mercy and the grace that God sees us with. So it begins to change our mind. So as we're consuming the things of mercy and grace, we get to live out mercy and grace. The opposite is also true. As we fill our minds with a bunch of rubbish, those things begin to come out. Back to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, it gives a list of negative things, things that we will naturally consume. Things that as you go to work and go to school, These are things that you will combat. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And we look at that list and go, that's a horrible list of things that we do not want in our life. Why would we want to begin consuming these things in our life? And that's what we would naturally be giving out. There's a quote that says this, You can choose your actions, but not your consequences. And so often, as I've grown and developed, and maybe you've done the similar to what I have, as a child, 
you thought you were invincible. And then as a teenager, you, you were invincible for a few brief moments. As time has gone on, as I got older, I'm realizing that I am finite. And aches and pains and things as you grow up. I, mean, I can only imagine what it's like to be like 42. As you grow and develop, you realize that things that you did as a teenager, you go, why did I do that back then? Now I'm paying the price for it today. As you look back at things in your 20s, if you're older, and things in your 30s, and you look back and you think, why did I do these things? Now I'm paying the price for them. The things that we're consuming in our life, the Bible simply says, let us walk in step with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is our filter through which we consume everything around us, we begin to live lives of mercy and lives of grace as opposed to what we find in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. The next thing, we, the next filter, the first was consume. The next filter through which we see the world is the word attempt. What are you attempting right now in your life? Is it filtered through the things of the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit filtering through the things that you're attempting, or are you doing this in your own strength and your own power? When Jesus Christ comes along in our life, he takes the seemingly simple, the seemingly mundane, and he turns them into teaching moments, times when we can learn. When Jesus was with his disciples, they were traveling uh, across a, a sea called the Sea of Galilee, and four of his disciples were fishermen. There's a motley crew of various people, part of his disciples, but four of them were fishermen, and they were very familiar with this lake, the Sea of Galilee. And it was much easier to get on a boat and travel across rather than walk up and all the way around. So they were traveling by boat, and Jesus comes in, and he takes a nap, and he uses the simple and the seemingly mundane to give them a teaching moment. Let me read the verses in Luke chapter number 8. It says in verse 22, One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us, notice there's another let us, let us go to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was calm. And he said to them, and here's the teaching moment, Where is your faith? And, and they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him? Jesus takes the seemingly mundane and normal, traveling across some things that they've done probably dozens, if not hundreds of times, and he turns it into something that is remarkable, turns it into something that, is a, that only God can do, which was calm the storm. When we attempt things for God in our own strength and our own ability, we can only ever achieve something that is within our own strength and our own ability. But when we allow God and we are in step with God and we attempt things through the power of the Holy Spirit, remarkable, supernatural things take place. There's no way that any of us can save ourselves. 
There's no way any of us can be ever good enough to save someone else, but Jesus Christ can. We find in the book of Romans, chapter number 12, verses 6 through 8, it says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We have been given wonderful gifts that we can attempt for God. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortations. To the one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The filter through which we live our lives and we attempt anything is the Holy Spirit. It's not my works, it's God's works. Over the last month, we've been challenging our church family in regards to our response to missions. What are we called to do as individuals in regards to missions? We have this small faith promise commitment cards, which are on the welcome tables just outside the doors there. And if you're yet to fill out your faith promise commitment card, let me encourage you to do that today. And if God hasn't, over the course of this month, placed a financial amount to put down on that card, I would challenge you to take on and accept the challenge to mark on the card that you will commit to at least pray with us. I find that also equally encouraging because whatever we're called to do, we're called to do it. It says there, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Not all of us are the same. We've been given unique and individual gifts and abilities and opportunities. Let me encourage you to take those gifts and abilities and opportunities and attempt them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our first filter was consume. What are we consuming? What are we attempting? And then finally is who are we surrounding ourselves with? Are you surrounding yourself with people that will build you up, that will encourage you? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that will bring you down? In the book of John, chapter number 11, we see a man named Thomas. He's most commonly known by something he did after Jesus died on the cross, which is was he doubted Jesus, and he was known as Doubting Thomas. And you can see a, a character trait that lives in, his, in Thomas's life. Thomas was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He observed and saw the miracles of God. He, he, he was there when he heard the teaching, but he had something in his spirit that I would say is more of a discouraged outlook on life. A person that sees the half empty rather than the half full. He sees everything that could possibly go wrong rather than seeing things for what they are. We see that in the end of the Gospels when he is doubting Thomas. When he says to the other disciples, unless I see the nails in his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. That's a character trait that Thomas had. And thankfully, I believe that at the end, Jesus cured him of that. And no longer was he doubting Thomas. He became believing Thomas. But earlier than that, in John chapter number 11, Jesus and the disciples have a friend. His name is Lazarus. Jesus was called and said, Lazarus, your friend is sick and he's, he's dying. Will you come and see him? So Jesus meanders along and takes his time, and then he knows that Lazarus has died. And he shares that with his disciples. And in verse number 14, it says, And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And verse 16 is a, is a very natural response from Thomas. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us 
also go that we may die with him. That right there is a character trait we see in Thomas's life of seeing things half empty rather than saying, what's Jesus Christ going to do? I've seen him perform miracles. I've heard his teaching. And had Thomas been the influencer here, the disciples would have missed out on observing one of the greatest miracles that Jesus performed. And later on in this passage, Jesus calls out Lazarus out of the tomb and in the famous line, Lazarus, come forth. And if you know the silly joke, and he tripped and came fifth. And the disciples observe that and see that, and it changes their life. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it, going, wow, that's amazing. But it started off with some discouragement. Rather than surrounding yourself with people that are going to bring you down, and maybe you've come here today and you're feeling down, and you're feeling low, congratulations, well done for being in church today. I hope that we're able to encourage you with the truth of the Word of God, encourage you after the service. We've heard some news today about family members that are going through some real difficult times, and we've been received some prayer requests. That's why those connection cards we have on the welcome table and in your bulletin are so powerful. We pray through them because people come with burdens that we don't want to leave with them we want to be able to share them with other people we want to come not to be discouraged we want to come and surround ourselves with what is true so well done for being in church today so you can surround yourself with what is true the book of hebrews chapter number 10 verses 23 and 24 says let us another let us Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day draw near. All the more. As the end of our world comes closer, day by day, even more do we need to surround ourselves with people that are going to build us up. People that are going to encourage us with the truth as opposed to discourage us with a long list of things we can't do. As we come to a conclusion this morning, I'm going to go back to Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse number 1, and then we're going to read verses 25 and 26. And this morning... As we come to the conclusion together, we read verse number one where it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This morning, you have a choice of how you're going to respond. Are you going to respond in the old way? Are you going to, in a real way, return to the law? Or are we going to live in the freedom that we have in Christ? And when we live in this freedom of Christ, we have the blessing of the Holy Spirit, as it says in verses 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And the negative result, if we don't, let us not become conceited and provoking one another, envying one another. This morning, we have a wonderful opportunity to live life differently, not in our own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit as we keep in step with the Spirit.